Brenda Blaze. Welcome to A Real View. Thank you for having me. You're our so first. <laughs> Say that again. So good to see you, Trisha and Marianne. It's good to see you, Brenda. <laughs> well, uh, you're our first caller or uh, interview on the phone. <coughs> so we're, we're testing out all sorts of things today. Well, my name is Brenda Blaze, so we'll just blaze the trail. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is perfect. That is perfect. All right. Well, um, Brenda, we have a lot to talk about. I think you've got some things on your heart. And as always, I just go with whatever was in my prayer journal, which isn't really like a prayer journal. It's like a bunch of scriptures, but if it just, it's what, um, it's the way the Lord does it with me. I start with scripture and then I pray. But first, the first thing I want to do is, um, I want you to tell us anything you want to share about yourself, about your family, about what's on your heart for ministry, for your life, for anything, anything personal that you want to share. Well, my name is Brenda Blaze. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I have um, a wonderful husband who's my very own rescue hero. He's a paramedic, and he works at Cook Children's Hospital. I have two adult sons, Nathan and Jonathan. Oh, my husband's name is Kyle. Nathan and Jonathan, and they're filmmakers and uh, young filmmakers. So that's been um, a passion of theirs. And as a mom, I'm loving to see how God's going to use them on that platform. And um, let me see. I just wanted to share a little bit about falling in love with Jesus through the message of grace and how um, we moved to Texas about 15 years ago and I had never heard the gospel of his grace but I started to hear about it and then there was a little bit of a controversy and one night my husband was working the night shift and the Lord told me, Brenda, I want you to listen to the gospel of grace for yourself. And so I got my, you know, my computer at the time, my laptop, and I just started to search for the gospel of grace. And I started listening to a message and by Pastor Prince. And I cried. Mm. I just cried. I've been a part of a prayer group for 20 years. And we had been praying and seeking the Lord. And that seemed to be that there was some a missing piece of the puzzle. And we were praying and for all of those years, what was that, Lord? And when I listened to the gospel of grace that night, I just wept because I said, this isn't just a piece of the puzzle. This is the whole puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And um, then from that moment on, I shared with my husband, who fell in love with the message of grace. And then we took my son to go hear Pastor Prince, who was in the United States, for his first time. And on the way home, Trisha and Marianne, my son said something that just blessed me more than I could ever tell you, because we may be talking about how important it is for young people to know their identity. 
And as we were driving home, I asked my boys, they were in high school at the time, because this has been about, oh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And um, we drove, as we were driving home, um, my Nathan popped out, popped up saying, and my Jonathan just chimed in to, Mom, now we know we're the righteousness of God mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, then from that journey, um, a good friend of mine introduced me to you, Trisha, and I um, got your book, Unveiling Jesus, and then I'm bringing Jesus because of Jesus. And I just, it, it reminded me of like um, Priscilla and Aquila that took Apollos aside and started to teach, teach him the way more perfectly. Because Trisha, that's what you've been in my life. Mm. You've helped me to more crystal clear see what really happened in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I was getting a hold of how much uh, Abba loved me, my father loved me, through the revelation of Jesus. But the thing that you really brought to the table was out of Psalms where it says that uh, righteousness and peace has kissed, uh, truth and mercy met together. Yeah. And um, you brought to the table for me how it wasn't just the love and mercy of God on the cross. It was his justice. And now we stand on legal ground when we pray. Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so thank you, Trisha. That was one of the things, of the many things that you helped me through the years. And I just appreciate you and your friendship. And, um, and then, so right now, we have, we're going to uh, GRC, which is Great, Great Revolution Church. And then out of the blue, the children's minister said, asked me, said, Brenda, um, will you teach rock kids how to pray? And I thought, Lord, how did you know that children are on my heart? The next generation is on my heart. How did you know that through the years I've had children's prayer groups? And they've been some of my best prayers that I've ever prayed in. Yeah. <laughs> because Children, their perspective, and, you know, Jesus said that we're to become like a child. And I'm just going to tell you this one prayer. I'll never forget this little boy. He prayed this way. He said, he was in the prayer room. You know, we had a prayer room. He was already on his knees, and he said this. He said, God, you are humongous, (laughs) and you have tons of glory. (laughs) (laughs) So he knew. His supply, right? The supply of heaven, amen? Amen. That we now are beginning to know in Christ. So it's been a real joy because um, the Lord has given me uh, 26 lessons for children on prayer. But this time I'm teaching it in the light of grace, in the person and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, oh my goodness, I've been learning so much, you know, developing uh, one lesson at a time. And it's been such a joy to teach these children. You should see, I put blankets all around the altar in the big church. I teach children five to 12, one Sunday a month. They give me pretty much the whole time. I put blankets all around me. They come around me and, you know, on those blankets in the altar. Because prayer is something that you just don't teach 
by precept, but also by example. Mm-hmm. So I like them to pray with me as, as well as beginning to teach them what prayer looks like in grace. Yeah. And so it's just been a, a joy, and I'm, I'm real excited about uh, getting that curriculum out eventually. And then um, also, I just, um, I really didn't need a job, but you know how God works within you, both to will and do of his good pleasure? Mm-hmm. And some translation says, he gives you the energy to perform it. And so, um, all of a sudden, I just got this little, little, like, desire to get a part, part-time job. And so this is just another thing I'm doing right now, and it's turning out to be a wonderful blessing. Some good friends that were pastors down the road live around the corner from me. They are launching into their own ministry, and they have asked me to um, head up their prayer team. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Lord, I can do that. <laughs> That's so exciting to me because now I'm doing a prayer manual. You know how I have like about 25, um, you know, little books on promises, Bible promises. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm doing is I'm just going through them, but I'm going to, I'm developing now a prayer manual that has every need with that, that, that the Lord provided for us on, on Calvary, every need. And so it's going to be a manual for the prayer team. So they have all the scriptures. And it's going to take me forever because I was doing one on, I think, comfort. And I was up till three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking it's like a treasure hunt through all the scriptures. And um, so I'm just so blessed. The Lord is so good to me. And that's what I'm up to right now in a nutshell. Well, um, let me ask you a question. Yes. You were a believer before 12 or 13 years ago, and God showed you something new that you had never seen before. And you called it the gospel of grace, which is what we call it, the message of grace. Um, We have other ways that we phrase, and we've all had that experience. For me, you know my story about praying the tabernacle prayer format and just a, a synopsis of it is that um, at the point where I was at the laver, I looked down and I, I saw what Jesus sees after I'd been to the brazen altar, which represents the cross. And when I saw what Jesus sees, you know, the priests would look down in the mirrors of the laver, and uh, that's when I realized what it was that I said I was believing as a Christian, and, you know, as a, a, you know, we called ourselves, I've always called myself a believer, you know, yeah. and then I realized this is what I said, that th- this is what we've been saying, but I didn't get it until that moment that w- the great exchange, how Jesus saw me is the reality of what he has done by washing my sins away, by trading places with me, by allowing me to put a mirror in front of my face and say that I'm looking into the mirror of Jesus Christ. And then I realized how unfair that exchange was um, and how much he loved me. I remember in that encounter saying this, this can't be true. 
And <laughs> he says, yes, it is true. And, um, and my life was forever changed at, at just at the um, completeness of this and the I don't even have words for it. I, I just, it, I've never, ever been the same. So how would you describe that? What was different? Because you were already a believer in Jesus Christ. You'd already received him as your Lord and Savior. You had been in ministry. You raised your children to know the Lord. You'd seen miracles in your life. You had, you know, a full Christian life. But this really changed everything. Like you said, it was it was the whole thing. Yeah, because... It was Jesus and the beauty of his person and and understanding really the finished work of, of the cross yeah. and what it meant to me. And not just me, but everyone, my family, everyone. Mm. And that what you're describing, uh, that you saw, Trisha, I saw as well that I was beautiful in his eyes. Mm. And that's the reality. You, be, you begin to see through these glasses, these lenses, these great, great, uh, great lenses, the, the way Jesus sees you. Yeah. It's his perspective. Amen? Amen. Not Amen. just for ourselves, but like I was thinking that we may be talking, but for the people we pray for. And at first, it's quite a revelation to start to see yourself, right? As holy and blameless, beautiful in his eyes, faultless. Um, without spot, righteous, and holy. And you know the way it says in Ephesians, it's all because of the beloved, right? We're Mm -hmm. in the beloved. In the beloved. We're just as he is, so are we. And so it's just beginning to see that. I think and knowing that, you know, like it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says you were washed or cleansed. You were justified, made righteous. You were sanctified. Those realities in your spirit, who is your, the real you, right? That's yeah. who we are. We're in this body like a hand is in a glove. Mm. But that's who we are. And when you just get a glimpse of who, the way God sees you, because he made you to be the righteousness of God, he made you holy and blameless, because of what Jesus did in his perfect sacrifice, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It just makes you fall in love with not just Jesus, but Jesus is a reflection of the Father's heart mm-hmm. and how it. he loved us all along. And I just started feeling so love. And, you know, I didn't even realize how much condemnation I was under mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. until you begin to, to see that that Jesus not only bore our sins, but all that sin produced, guilt, condemnation, sin, poverty, all was born, everything in the realm of human need, he took care of in his perfect sacrifice. And that grace, it was, you know, I think even though, you know, like any move of God, it starts in the spirit, but then it starts to end in the flesh. And I, I saw that in my Christian walk. Do you know that I don't even remember hearing one message, maybe one. I think there was a missionary that did come and and and, and he was from Singapore actually. Did one message on grace all that time. Mm-hmm. Neither did I ever teach on grace. That is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God 
it has nothing to do with anything I've ever done good mm-hmm. or bad. And I think that part of my prayer life at that time was, hey, Lord, I think I'm a pretty good prayer. <laughs> a pretty good prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh, my goodness, it has nothing to do with you, Brenda. <laughs> right. Everything with Jesus. Because, you know, you, you try so hard to just be that, that perfect Christian. But you know, you don't have to try because he perfected us, right? Yeah. He made us perfect on the inside. Amen. Amen. And so because of him and his perfect work and his perfect obedience, because of Jesus and everything he did, it just makes you so grateful and so thankful. And it just, it changes everything. And you know, it changed everything in my family. Um, I didn't realize how, like, legalistic I, I was getting and how I did raise my boys where like I'll give you an example um when we took communion we took communion every day because I've always loved communion but I admit them okay now it's time to be quiet and examine yourself mm-hmm. and think of all your sins <laughs> right. and so you know it was a time where they were sin conscious not conscious of what Jesus did you know with his in communion with his broken body of his death, what it meant. No, we were getting introspective, you know, what did, what did we do wrong and try to, you know, cleanse ourselves. And um, so I apologized to my friends. I said, I'm so sorry as a mom that I probably did judge you and put condemnation on you at times. Mm-hmm. And they go, they're so cute. You know how young people are so forgiving. They just forgave me. <laughs> of course they did. Of course. You did a good job with your sons. They're amazing you, the young men. Of God. Mm-hmm. It's the grace of God. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Well, um, Mary Ann, listening to her, and she just described all of that so beautifully. And all, you know, we talk about how it has changed our lives. And I think that you really describe well how this revelation of knowing we're holy and righteous and having that all that sin produces is also removed, the the shame and the guilt and the condemnation, and how you describe the union that you have with Jesus, the way it used to be versus the way it is now that you can never be separated. I think that was the big deal to you. That was definitely the big deal Mm -hmm. to me was that it was no longer this pattern of sin and forgiveness and asking and repenting Mm -hmm. and he's near, he's far, he's turned his back, I've turned my back. When you realize you're in union and that you two have become one, there is no turning of a back. He turns, I turn. He moves in a direction. I move in a direction. Mm-hmm. We're one and together. And uh, Trish and I have talked about, they used to say, oh, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And I say it's not actually even about a relationship because that's two parties mm-hmm. having a relationship. There has to be two parties. But it's really about a union mm-hmm. and a joining mm-hmm. and one. So even relationship, I feel like, is not a good, it's not, yeah, it's not I mean, the I best descri- description there, of that. that because we're, we're one. We are one. One. Um, yes. With the one. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, and so, with each other. Yes. I don't one know if you body. felt like this, but for years I just felt like there was a constant tension of 
he's turned his back because I've been bad. Mm-hmm. I've done bad. He's turned his back. And now I have to run around to get his attention again, right. but being good. Mm-hmm. Well, when you realize that that's not the case at all, mm-hmm. that, that there is no turning of a back on me. He's fully turned towards me. Right. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that changes, changes your, your life, life in yeah. so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way you relate to other people. For sure. Healthier relationships <clears throat> with people. Right. And when I teach the children about prayers, you can, you don't go in and out of his presence. Amen. You live there because right. you're in Christ. And there's a little poem that says, Nice, so very nice, God. I cannot near thee, for in the person of his son, I am as near as he. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. (laughs) That oneness. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we have that because of Jesus, that union, that oneness with our Father. Amen. Well, you know, I remember... um, writing the book Unveiling Jesus, which you referenced a minute ago, and how um, I had, you know, about three or four years, I guess, of basking in this before I began to write. I had been writing all along, and I compiled a whole bunch of stuff, and I had done some teaching, and and then um, I wanted to, to take those notes, and and I remember having all the papers all over the dining room table of all these different teachings and blogs and different things I had done. And, and I I just prayed, how do I put this together? And what understanding what you both have described did for me was give me peace and put me in a state of rest when it came to God and when it came to my life in a way that I had never experienced before. Because when you have to do or you have to pray a certain way or, you know, there's all this structure you find yourself in to try to um, do the right things, have the right formulas, uh, behave yourself in a certain way, and um, I'm and I had come to a pinnacle with this prior to my encounter with Jesus, to where I was in ministry and just killing myself to try to be accepted. You know, you said we're in the beloved. Ephesians one says we're accepted in the beloved, and. Boy, oh boy, that completely changed everything. But I would pray hours a day, not out of overflow, but out of striving, out of climbing, of trying to reach God, of trying to get him to open the windows of heaven. All these things we see from a different perspective now, it's done. He opened the windows of heaven 2,000 years ago, right? Right. And, 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 And so what happened to me was this rest, and it was like, all of the the tightly wound, you know, my life, my, my fists. I'm doing my fists like that because I could just remember thinking I had to do it. I was, you know, not that I wanted to be in control, but that that it was up to me. And my hands just opened up to him. And, and so anyway, when I laid out all the papers and I was like, where do I begin? 
Oh, I wanted to start with two chapters, one called Rest and the other called Peace. And there are 20 chapters in, that ended up being in that book. And the Lord said, no, those, guys that go, those go with the end because you have to understand first. See, he took me through. First, he showed me my identity in him and what happened at the cross. And then there were so many passages that were doctrinal. You know, at first, I think it was just this breaking of sacred cows, you know, just going around and all these these cliches and, and mindsets and all these things. They were all of a sudden, it was, I had been believing backwards. I had been mixing covenants. I had been, and so at first it was just this, you know, this kind of breaking of things, which some people, when that happens, they're angry. It wasn't that way for me because he revealed himself to me and what he had done for me. And I was, I was bowled over with love. So I, you know, a lot of people go through an angry phase at religion and all, but that's not really what happened to me. Um, I, I was so, I, he, I realized what he had forgiven me for. And I so easily forgave other people, forgave all those people. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they didn't know they were teaching wrong. And you know how I know that? Cause I didn't know I was teaching wrong. I was guilty myself. And, and so he, I knew that he was going to just take care of all of that. It wasn't my burden. And, um, and, and, the, and this revelation of grace did did put me in a position over the next couple of years from the beginning of having to forgive a lot of people. And, uh, but, but also knowing that this was part of it, this is part of it. There is suffering, you know, that comes when you're misunderstood, you know, and all that. So, but I, but I never hated anyone. I never, I did, I wanted to forgive. And, and that was just because of Oh, all he was teaching me. But anyway, so then, then it was like Romans and, and second Corinthians and Hebrews and, and all these passages that, that, that I just went verse by verse and all through the gospels. And what is Jesus really like? And he shows us what the father is like and who he is. And I went through all of that to, to have that experience of rest and peace. Like, and he just said, you know, that they need to know what the Bible says. You know, so many people say they believe the Bible, and yet they, it's it's rightly dividing those covenants. It's it's, um, you know, and and so then rest and peace were at the at the end of the book. You know, it's like now you can actually know for sure that God is on your side, that He's going to get you through every storm, right? Amen. But I agree that you had to lay that foundation so people could have the identity so that when you introduce rest and peace to them, right. they can easily accept the rest and peace and know exactly. that it's their legal right to walk in rest and peace. Amen. Because if you didn't, then you're, if you don't know that, you think you have to fight for it constantly. Mm. So if you lay out the thing, no, you don't fight. The fight, the fight has been won right. on your behalf. It's been already fought. Yes. And you can sit and rest in peace. That's right. And um, you know how all those phrases or things that you we all learned. I heard that phrase that uh, know who you are in Christ. But nobody ever explained who I was in Christ. That's because they didn't know. I know. I that's true. 
the time I found out who I was was doing that study. Um, I'm free because of Jesus, and oh my goodness, I'm so glad I was able to do it with my whole family, and especially, it's so important for young people to know their identity, and just going through that to really see scriptures that actually told you who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you're in Christ, you're beloved, you're cleansed, you're washed, you're forgiven, you're all those, you're sanctified. Oh my goodness, I, I had never heard the person until I did that study. And so thank you for that, Trisha. Yeah, we are sanctified. And that's another thing, you know, um, just being, I guess, raised with a teaching that you had to, you know, you were progressively sanctified, that, um, you know, over time, you would, you know, look like Jesus or, you know, I want to be more like Jesus. But when you go from that place of in, in my identity, in the core of my being, in my spirit, I am like Jesus. I already am. And so, you know, the only progressive part of this is is that you do begin to behave better and you know like you know you know the 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 thing if you believe right you'll live right but you must believe right first right i love the way you described when you looked into the labor you said you saw like glorious yes beauty Mm -hmm. and i know that's how he sees me now i know how that's how he sees us now he sees us beautiful in his eyes that's right and um so as I started to, you know, in my walk and uh, getting to know Jesus and who I was, um, knowing that I was holy, blameless, pure, spotless, complete, forgiven, sanctified, perfect, and complete, the very righteousness of God, one day, and I, I shared this with you before, this is, this was years, years ago, but um, I was thinking about it last night. As I was, um, I started praying for my family. And um, I just started saying, I could start complaining to the Lord. They were Christians, but I was going, Lord, they're not in church. And I was just, Lord, they're not, they're not reading their Bibles like they should. And I was just praying for my family. And if I ever heard the Lord speak to my heart, crystal clearly, and there was no condemnation in this at all. He said that, he said, you let a lot of things disturb you, Brenda, that don't disturb me. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you forfeit much peace. Wow. And then he said, to look up the word disturb, and that means to interrupt your rest, to quiet in your peace. Yeah. And so then he, he started saying, when you start seeing all the people you pray for that are Christians, when you start seeing them the way I'm trying to show you who you are, you're going to find such peace and rest yeah. in agreeing with what I've done in their heart. Amen? Amen. No matter what they're doing mm. as mothers, no matter what their behavior is, what is the truth about them? Right. And so Colossians 3, 1 and 2 through the message Bible says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. 
forget the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And that's what I started praying. I said, Lord, you're showing me how beautiful I am in your eyes and the reality of what the new creation is and what's happened in my spirit and who I am. Now, open my eyes to see others just like that because it's true about them too. It's easier to believe, isn't it? I just believe in you, but then you start praying for, I don't know, a relative, a loved one, and I don't know, they're not acting as much yeah. as you think they should, but then you, you start to think them as righteous yeah. and holy and blameless and beautiful in God's eyes, too. Uh, Oswald Chambers said this, the peace Jesus speaks of is a peace which comes from looking in his face and realizing his undisturbedness. I can put that on my door. Devil, don't be certain. Yeah. <laughs> and then see that, that rest that we're talking about. Zephaniah 317. It's, it's beautiful in so many translations, but I like what it, when it says that he will rest in his love. Mm-hmm. God rests in the love that he has for us. That he demonstrated to us yeah. in the person and work of his son. Mm. He rests in that. We can too. Amen. Yeah. Amen. What you're saying, Brenda, reminds me of Jesus being asleep on the pillow. Oh. And you, you know, what, what the Lord told you that you're disturbed about things that he's not disturbed about. <laughs> and in that passage in Mark 4, there's more than one storm. This is one of the, the storms that's described, and um, this was a very busy day for Jesus. I call it a, a, a day in the life of Jesus, and there's so many things that he did that day. You know, I won't even begin to tell you the whole list, but I have a teaching called A Day in the Life of Jesus, but one of them was that um, he taught a bunch of parables, and then he got in the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. I love that statement because you know what it says? This is God speaking, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Let us cross over to the other side. Was there any chance that they were not going to make it to the other side? No. Why is that? Nope. Because he said, he declared it. <laughs> it is. Right. We're going to the yeah. other side. <laughs> There's power in his words. Amen. If he says it, then I believe it. And that's why. I immerse myself in the scriptures because if he said it, I believe it. And if you can hear him say it through the cross and see things cross-side with the lens of grace, then um, we just say yes and amen, right? And, amen. and so this great windstorm arose and the boat filled with water. And it says that Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up. And how did they wake him up? They said this, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They accused him of not caring. (laughs) But he did not get offended. 
He did not rebuke them for that. He just calmed the storm. And that verse says, he arose. And we know he arose from sleeping from the pillow and rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he did rebuke them without any condemnation. But he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And here's what all they needed to know is that he said, let us cross over to the other side. He had never gone against his word. They had been with him. His name is faithful and true. And he did all of that to get to the other side. And y'all know who was on the other side? The gathering (laughs) demoniac. The gathering. One guy. And and that's a wonderful story, which you should read. But what's interesting is as soon as he cast out the demons, sent them into the swine, and the man was seated and clothed and in his right mind, and it says, and he wanted to be with Jesus. These are all results of when you encounter Jesus and you are delivered, set free, healed. Then it says he went back to the other side. They went back to the other side. So they did this whole thing. They went through a storm to get to that one one man. Jesus knew all along that there was no chance they weren't going to get to the other side because he was on a mission. You never know. And that same day, he was headed to go heal Jairus' daughter. And he gets stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. And they're like, come on, come on, come on. She's going to die. This little girl's going to die. But he stopped and he turned around and he called that lady daughter. Right. And he healed her and and he said, your faith has made you well. And he tells her to go into peace and be made whole. Two different words. I could go on and on. I'm not going to get distracted by all that. But this is just Jesus. This is the unforced rhythms of his grace. This is how he moves. He's not in a hurry. He's not disturbed by the things that disturb us. Yes. And that whole story of Peter walking on the water, and, and, and he looked at the wind. Which I guess he's looking at the waves. <laughs> it was the wind that scared him. And I always read that and I think, well, okay, so on a, on a calm, sunny day, can you walk on water? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, do we even realize? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't even breathe. In him we live and move and have our being. You can't even breathe. It's a miracle we're even sitting here. You can walk on water because you can breathe. Mm. And all of that, boy, when you, when you are awakened, and we, put, we call it one more, we call it grace. But grace is Jesus. I'm reading this little book, a, a friend of mine, you know, Hebrew, on the word shalom. Mm. And I loved what she put here because I started seeing this. Um, about shalom and uh, about peace and 
about the words shalom, peace, and salvation, and how they were both all-inclusive words. But it's interesting, her note on the woman with the issue of blood, she says, the oldest manuscripts we have of the New Testament are in Greek. The word translated whole in verse 28 is from the Greek word sozo. It means, according to Strong's concordance, heal, preserve, save, do well, make whole. It is plain to see that the Greek, Greek word sozo has the same meaning as the Hebrew word shalem, That's or right. shalom, mm-hmm. peace. And then, um, without a doubt, the New Testament writers use the Greek word sozo to express the Hebrew word shalem, mm-hmm. Jesus came that we might be whole. Amen. Amen. I just love that. Amen. Amen. I love that too. Well, Marianne, what do you think? Uh, I love what you were talking about earlier, Brenda, about seeing others and not being disturbed and seeing them how the Father sees them. And I think of so much time I personally wasted in seeing myself and others through my own lens, so I would see myself in all my shortcomings. And then there was a revelation I had that was like, wait, if he doesn't remember these shortcomings, my sins he remembers no more. He's removed them as far as the east is the west. Why am I spending so much of my time and my mental energy thinking about that for me and for others? And that was a radical shift in being able to see my only my own perspective, like you said, to be able to pray for people because I could see them um, we always say, <clears throat> you may not act, people may not act like the curse has been broken on their life. They might not live like it. Mm-hmm. They might not know that a curse has been broken on their life, but it does not change the fact that the curse on their life has been broken. That's right. And to be able to pray for others from that perspective is so beautiful and freeing. But I, ju- I just feel like this really goes along with what we've been saying, what she was saying about how she... You know, when you know how he sees you, you begin. You can begin to see other people the way he sees them. And and Paul said, "We know no man after the flesh," right? Right. And so we 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 we've got to put those spirit lenses on, then and, and be able to see beyond. And I feel like, oh my goodness, it's really a time where we can judge people. Mm-hmm. But every one of these. There's a, there's a lot going on in the world, right? Wow. A lot that isn't pretty. Mm-hmm. A lot that's really, really, really wrong. And wow. yet, you know, I remember when Osama bin Laden, when they got him and they killed him. And Mark, he was just stunned at me because I cried. Because Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Yeah. And... um it just really hit me, and you know how long ago that was, but I was just, this revelation of his love for me was so strong. Not only me, but the whole world. The whole world. And so when uh, Philip was really excited about introducing Jesus to his friend Nathaniel, <laughs> Brenda, what does Nathaniel mean? Grace is the gift from God. <laughs> And and why do you know that? <laughs> because that's what my son Nathan's name is, Nathaniel. That's and right. I got it from that portion of Scripture. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at that. Um, 
but how Jesus saw him, they had never met, you know, and Nathaniel, you know, his first reaction was, can anything good come from Nazareth? So as far as he knew, there was nothing special about somebody from Nazareth. But when Jesus saw him and he said, an Israelite indeed, he goes, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. That's what Jesus saw. That's, that's who Nathaniel was in Jesus' eyes. And when Nathaniel heard Jesus say that, he didn't argue. He didn't have false humility. He, it didn't make him uncomfortable. He just immediately said, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said, Philip, before Philip called you, he said to Nathaniel, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That just, a few years ago, I was teaching on this passage, and it just blessed me so much. Because what I saw is how Jesus has seen me and has known me. How did he see Nathaniel under the fig tree? In the spirit. Because he knows everything about us. Just like the woman at the well. He read her mail. Whenever Jesus reveals what he sees when he looks at us, that's when we know he is the Son of God. That's when we believe. And I think that this is why I pray for people that have a veil, that veil of condemnation, the veil of the law. I pray for them to see Jesus because what they're going to see and what they're going to hear is what he sees and what he they're going to hear what he says. And he only says what he hears the Father say. So this is what our Heavenly Father thinks of us, whatever Jesus says. And all of the things throughout your life that you may be ashamed of, things that maybe nobody knows, Maybe you were hurt by somebody and it didn't seem like God was there for you. When you come face to face with Jesus, when the light of the gospel shines, all of a sudden, everything makes sense. He was there. He is here. He's going to be there in the future. And he loves you unconditionally. And I just, that little story about Nathaniel had me have a a flash of my entire life and how Jesus has been there every step of the way. There's a C.S. Lewis quote that I really love and I have it in my office and it says, I know now, Lord, because there's so many times where you felt, I have felt this way. I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You yourself are the answer. Before your face, questions die away. What other answer would suffice? Mm -hmm. 
And I just mm-hmm. love that because it just reminds me of Jesus yeah. and his heart for me. Mm-hmm. And there are times where you've said, you felt forsaken, unloved. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the face of Jesus, I no longer have any questions before his face, all questions die away. Mm-hmm. And I am fully accepted and loved right there. Right. In the face of Jesus. Yeah. And it is God who commands that light to shine of the yes. glory of the knowledge of of himself in the face of Jesus. That's the mm. most important thing we can do is mm. see Jesus, see his face. Amen. Amen, Trisha. This morning I, w- I woke up with these words, and I feel it's for whoever's listening. Strong consolation. Strong consolation. And so I looked it up in Hebrews and uh, chapter 6, and it says in the Amplified, this was so that the two intangible things, his promise and his oath, in which it's impossible for God to to false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have, one translation says, strong consolation. Others say, uh, Amplified says, might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement. Mm. And then this little song, because it is, Jesus, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This other scripture that was in your um a hundred verses when you pray for prodigal cards has been in my heart, and I'm just going to say this really quickly. Psalms 138, 2-3 says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by the honor of your name. Well, what is the name of Jesus? It's everything that he is in his person, Everything he's done in his finished work and everything he's doing at that high priestly ministry. And this morning I woke up and just as we're talking about praying for families and loved ones and children and just others, that he has given us a revelation of who we are now in him because of what he did. The promises have now been purchased and become our provision all the promises of God. And as we pray those promises, this little song came to me, and I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the words. I will not hurt your ears. It goes like this. Jesus, you are my surety. That means my guarantee of all that God promised Abraham. Jesus, you are my surety. That means my guarantee of the great I am. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says that he is now our guarantee. Jesus guarantees all the promises of God that we pray for our loved ones. And as he gives us eyes to see him, see our loved ones, see anyone who we're praying for, as he sees, we can come into agreement and say what he says about it. That's right. And his name, and he is the guarantee behind what he says about 
whoever we love. I like to say this way, all our loved ones, all our loved ones and those that we love mm-hmm. <laughs> and those that we pray for. He, Jesus, he is everything. Yeah. He every moment. Amen? Yes, and uh, this morning I was going through a lot of scriptures and I was noticing how many of the scriptures that, that I that I had actually put in these notes for today, which we're not going to get to, but it's it would be a great thing to talk about on another time. But how many times it says, I will, I will, I I started to circle and highlight, I will give them a new heart. I will write my new covenant laws on their hearts. I will, I will, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He's the one who does it. I will. That is a huge, huge paradigm shift, isn't it? It used to be, I have to. But now he says, I will. I will do it. I will remember their sins no more. Amen. 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 I'm going to put a little commercial for your prodigal cards. I bought them. I bought them because they're not, I don't think they're just for prodigals. There are so many beautiful scriptures and promises for all of us parents yeah. to meditate and to pray and to come into agreement with what God says about our children. So I just wanted to say that if you're a parent or a grandparent, get those cards. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. Kind of makes me want to do another set that's similar, but you know some some of the cards in that prodigal set are very specific to the lost sheep and going yeah. after the lost sheep. But um, but anyway, I do agree with you that I pray those scriptures for all of my five children. Not you know, in general. I mean, I agree with you. Well, Brenda. I tell you what, to end, why don't you, would you mind just praying for the people out there, whatever is on your heart? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this uh, wonderful broadcast and this podcast, Lord. And for the many that are out there listening right now, Father, I thank you for them. And this morning as I woke up, I just really felt that that's what you wanted to offer this morning in the person of your son, Jesus. Strong comfort, strong consolation, strong encouragement that you wanted to undergird their soul as they stand for loved ones, as they stand for friends, as they stand for whoever comes to their heart. Father, I thank you that that you garrison around their mind and their soul with the very peace of God. Father, in, in, uh, in uh, Psalms 91, it, one translation says that your promises, your faithful promises are our armor. Thank you, Father, for all the promises in the Word of God and for all your words. May we all have a hunger, more hunger, to go through and read and find all the treasures and all what you say about those that we love as well as ourselves. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the guarantee 
of all these promises of a better covenant. And we just praise you this morning for all these. And we pray that if there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus, that Jesus says, Behold, I stand and knock at the door of your heart. And that they would just invite Jesus in. And he'll come in to their heart and love them forever. Mm-hmm. And so we just pray for those that that um, they will ask him into your heart. And then for everyone, Lord, we thank you for giving everyone a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Jesus, the eyes of their heart flooded with light so that they will know what is the hope of their calling and the riches of the glory that you have, the inheritance that you have in your saints. I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for Trisha and Marianne. And we just love you. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, presenting all that he is, all that he has done, and all that he's doing right now at your right hand. In Jesus' name, amen. A Real View is brought to you by Parousia, a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of God's grace, freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit ParousiaMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Parousia is greatly appreciated.